There you go. Joyful, huh? We, for those of you who weren't here last year, we had that clip last year at Christmas time. That's just one of those clips you got to watch at Christmas time. I mean, it's just, and, and the funny thing about that is, I, I think probably New York's the only place you could really have that going on and probably see it every day. I mean, you know, it's just one of those deals. But um, that's from the movie Elf, as many of you probably know. But I'm talking about joy. Uh, and you know that, joyfulness. And in fact, this particular subtitle, Turning Holiday Stresses into Joy. And as I said, I strategically chose this because right here at the beginning, really we're past the beginning of the holiday season, many things come into our lives. We get stressed out over this. And, you know, as I was looking at my calendar, things beginning to fill up for this and for that and so forth with, with parties and family and this and that and so forth that all of us, uh, all of us deal with and all of us have and, and, and hopefully enjoy but at the same time, it brings stress. So I, I want to address this. And here's how I wanted to approach this. And I'm going to have to start talking fast here, and you'll see why in a minute. Uh, because we've got 21 days until Christmas, as of today. So what I wanted to do was, was talk about 21 ways, all right? 21 ways to, to do that. 21 ways to turn holiday stresses into joy. 21 ways in 21 days. How about that? I told Steve last week, I said, here's what I'm thinking about doing. And uh, he said... Oh, man, I, I like your concept, but I don't think you should do that. And I said, why not? And he said, okay, let's just suppose you only spend two minutes on each point. He said, right there, you got problems. And I'm like, hmm. So anyway, so you'll see how I do that. Here's what I did also on this, so just so you know this, and, and I'm going to go through these, just some of these very quickly. So don't get worried. All right, I'm not going to spend two minutes on each one of them. But um, here's, here's how we did this. I have a few friends here, and they're here this morning, and they'll, or they'll be here in the next service, and uh, who have said, hey, anytime you need some help on this or that, happy to help, you know, anything you can do. So I have a few folks like that, so I emailed them, and I said, hey, look, I'm doing 21 days or 21 ways of uh, turning holiday stresses into joy, 21 ways in 21 days. Give me, give me 21 thoughts on this. And, uh, and I, I got a lot of stuff back. So all these are not mine. My job was easy. Um, it was just sort of editing the list. So some of these uh, you'll recognize, some of you, some of you may not. So let's just start, all right? Here we go. 21 ways to turn holiday stresses into joy in 21 days. Listen to the new Renaissance Christmas CD, okay? There's a good way to start right there. That's a, isn't, that, isn't that right? Yes. Thank you. Number two, have a cup of eggnog every hour on the hour. Keep in mind, the diets don't count during the holidays. Now, this is, this is dated. This one, this one doesn't work anymore. Stop dreaming of a white Christmas, you know, and don't try to roast chestnuts on an open fire. Um, I guess now people will start dreaming of a white Christmas since it snowed, but anyway. Do you ever think about that, roasting chestnuts on an open fire? Mm, I don't know. That person didn't live in New Jersey, I don't think. But anyway. How about this one? Number four, wear some special holiday underwear. There you go. Number five, this is so true. Now, this, before I give you, uh, uh, take it off. Oh, there I show. Okay, number five. Let me tell you what number five is. This was written by a person born and bred in New York, all right? All their life. They lived in New York, went to college, back to New York, now lives in the Short Hills. But, uh, so this is from a true New Yorker, all right? Here you go. Enjoy the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree on the Today Show. Huh? <laughs> That's good wisdom. I was there Friday night. Uh, yeah, very good wisdom. With some people from Texas. They wanted to see the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. So I said, okay. We walked over there. I said, isn't that great? Okay, let's go. They said, well, no. I said, there it is. I mean, how much can you look at? Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Anyway, they're from Texas. Um, 
We love those folks. Number six, go see the Chronicles of Narnia on a weeknight. There you go. Number seven, I didn't write this, honestly. Stop rooting for the New York Jets. Start rooting for the Denver Broncos. They're going to the Super Bowl. Yes. Okay. Number eight, remember when you were a kid. This is a good one. And regardless of the cost of the gift, you preferred the empty box. Remember that? Big box. It would be so great. Oh, that was, that was a good one. Number nine, this is really good. If you don't have enough gifts under the tree, wrap something your husband won't remember he has and put it under the tree. You could do this. You could do this. Isn't that a good one? I mean, Charlene could do that to me. I could just be as happy as, you know, whatever. Now, somebody else gave me this one, number 10, before I showed it to you. Um, and they said they really do this. This was somebody else that gave me this. Know where the Jewish grocery stores are so you can shop last minute. There you go. We, got, we have plenty. Now, before I show you number 11, number 11 is a really good one. Because I've already gotten a couple of these. Okay? And I may be the only one here who gets these and kind of goes, oh. But maybe a few others of you can relate to this. Burn the happy Christmas letters from perfect people before you read them. <laughs> you get those too sometimes, the little pictures, the little, oh, everything's perfect. You're like, oh, man. And I'm like, I used to be their pastor. I know better, you know. Anyway, um, anyway, number... <laughs> Never mind. But you know what I'm saying. And, you know, if you send one of those out, and that's fine, you know, throw in something. Hey, you know, everything's great, but we've had our share of challenges, too, this year. Be honest about it, all right? All right. Anyway, number 12. Turn down at least one invitation and stay home with the fireplace on, the lights out, hiding from the hoopla. A good idea. Focus on others and how you can make their days leading to Christmas more pleasant for them. Include strangers and New Jersey drivers. Just think about that. People in the grocery store, people where you're shopping. Wow, be polite. That would, you would stand out. You know, it'd be really weird around here. Um, I like number 14. Sing loudly every time you're alone in your car, especially at red lights, and be sure to smile and wave wildly to the driver next to you. You know, you ought to try that. You ought to try that. That's a, that's a, that's a fun thing to do. Number 15, invite someone to dinner that has no family here. There you go. Number 16, invite someone to dinner who will bring mistletoe. Whatever happens under the mistletoe stays under the mistletoe. I, I didn't write that. Not sure what she meant by that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> number 17, donate your fruitcakes to your favorite charity and get a write-off. Good thought, huh? Number, number, number 18, donate your money to Renaissance Church and get a write-off. We had to throw that in. Okay? <laughs> number 19, don't rush to Christmas service on Christmas Day. Sleep in. Enjoy your family. You can do that guilt-free if Renaissance is your church because we don't have church on Christmas Day because it's on, you know, this year. So there you go, all right? A couple last two are a little more serious. And that's really what I want to kind of center in on. You probably already figured that out. Um, number 20, examine your expectations. I can't talk about this enough. Examine your expectations. You need to avoid things and terms and thoughts like, the perfect Christmas or an idyllic Christmas. You know why? Because we live in a fallen world. And we're to plan and we're to work hard and we're to be diligent and we're to do all those things. But you know, as well as I do, some of our best laid plans fall short. And that oftentimes is where the stresses of the holiday season just kick us in the rear end sometimes. 
We have these expectations and it doesn't happen. Somebody doesn't come or somebody does come that you didn't really want there, whatever the situation might be on that. Um, it, it, we, and we have to, I want to talk more about that in a moment. I want to give you 21 and I want to just show you some scripture. Number 21, enjoy each moment with gratitude toward God. Just enjoy each moment. I want to take you to a passage of scripture that's not particularly Christmassy. It's not particularly holiday-ish, but I think it's a very apropos scripture for all of us. And I'm going to just kind of read it to you here in just a moment. You know, and, and just think along these lines with me for just a moment. Stress, stress is one of the biggest joy robbers that there is during the holidays. I think we all know that. So I want to look at a passage in the scriptures and from the scriptures where Jesus directly addresses this subject of stress. I want to explain it to you. I want to read it to you, and we're going to, you're going to follow along with me, and then I'm going to explain a couple things to you, and, uh, and then we're going to do something a little different with it, all right? It's in Matthew. Jesus' words in Matthew it comes from what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter 6, and um, one of the great sermons that Jesus gave. He gave many, but this is one of the great ones. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it goes like this. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that that not even Solomon... In all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow and is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Don't worry then, saying, what will we eat or what shall we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, I'll come back to that in a moment, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your, from your heavenly Father knows that you're, you need all these things Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That phrase back in verse 32, for the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. Just, just, this is the New American Standard Bible, which, which I don't always use here. I always study it because it, I think it's the most accurate English Bible that we have. It doesn't always flow, but I happen to like the way it was worded here. Uh, the Gentile term in that, in that Jewish, that first century Jewish culture, uh, the term, you were either Jewish, which made you basically a monotheist, or you were a, a, a heathen, which were the Gentiles, okay? So for my Jewish friends here, you guys got a better heritage uh, in that sense. Um, not, not really, but you understand my point. So what Jesus, what they would commonly refer the Gentiles as heathens, as pagans, in that particular culture. And that's what he's talking about there. Some Bibles translate that now, by the way, for the, for the heathens seek all these things. You're different. You have a father, a heavenly father. You have a God. That's the point there that he's making. Now, very quickly, I, I have to do some uh, what we call a little exegesis of this text just to get you to understand a couple of things. Don't worry about that word. It's a fancy word I picked up in theology. But um, what does that mean? You, you read these verses and you could easily come away saying, well, I don't have to work. I knew, I knew a person that I went to school with. No kid, I knew a couple of people. This is, I know you're going to say this is silly, but it is. But I, I knew some people who, who would say, you know what? I, I don't need insurance. 
Because I believe Matthew chapter 6, I don't, I don't need insurance. And I'm like, that is the most asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. And yet I know some people who, who, who particularly in, deeped in, the, in, in theology and so forth, and thinking, well, see, there it says God will take care of tomorrow. This isn't a verse that teaches irresponsibility or a passage of Scripture that teaches irresponsibility. It's talking about things from God's side. There are many other verses in the Scripture that talk about be diligent, work hard, plan. Work, if you don't work, you don't eat. Thessalonians in the New Testament. So there are many other passages of Scripture that deal with the whole work ethic, what we would call the, the work ethic from the Bible. Many passages. This is just a particular passage of Scripture that says you do all that, but at the same time, there's a God in heaven. And there's, it, it, he's, he's there to take care. He takes care of us. He honors our work. He takes care of us through our work and through our planning and through all the other things that we're about. So we need to understand that from this particular passage. Now, here's what I've done at the risk of offending a few, and, and, and you know, I, I really don't want to do that, but sometimes I do. Um, no, sometimes I offend, sometimes it's not that I want to. Let me rephrase that, okay? I've added to the text. Now, before you start throwing your purses and, and pens and whatever else you're going to throw at me, um, I've added to the text, but I have denoted it in such a way that you can see it's my words, Okay? just so we understand each other. I've taken the same passage of Scripture and I've applied it to the holidays. Because that's what I want you to kind of think about for a moment, all right? So let's start. And you're going to see it as we read it here on PowerPoint. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life during the holidays as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not your life during the holidays more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who of you, by being worried during the holidays, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing and presents and crap during the holidays? Sorry, had to throw that in. Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and the real Christmas trees. I've, you know? They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass and Christmas trees of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow and is thrown into the furnace, which is very true, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Don't worry then during the holidays saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For again, the Gentiles eagerly seek, the godless people eagerly seek all those things, all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things during the holidays. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow during the holidays, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own during the holidays. I like that. Again, this doesn't mean that we don't plan the perfect Christmas party or the perfect family gathering during the... It doesn't mean we don't plan that. But that word perfect bothers me because we live in a fallen world. Nothing's perfect. And the greatest plans, as we know, can get blown up by any number of things that are totally out of our control. And those are the things, many times that causes incredible stress. Living in the future robs us of today. 
And we need to think about that. God knows that. Dwelling on what will happen, how it should be. Key phrase, inflexible expectations. Dwelling on those inflexible expectations can be the seed and the seeds for holiday disasters. And that's part of what God is teaching us here is look, do your best. Work hard. But by the way, don't forget, there's a God in heaven and I care. And if and when things may not work out like you thought, whether we're talking about the holidays or whether we're talking about your life, keep in mind, there's still a God in heaven and he still cares about you. He cares about the birds and those stinking squirrels in my backyard that tear up my... He cares about all those things. That was me. Uh, he didn't call them stinking, okay. He, God cares about all those little critters, all those little animals. You are much more important than that. Not just during the holidays, but all the time. Think about that. Dwell on that. And then when all that stuff just blows up, and oh, my plans, oh, my this. Say, hey, this is just God sending me another reminder that, hey, I do care about you. And there's something else going on here, and it's okay. Stress comes. I want to make just a couple of points about this very quickly. Stress comes when we start trusting ourselves more than God. And this passage, as I said, is not teaching irresponsibility. It's not saying don't try or don't hustle or don't plan or anything like that. It's God saying, I care about you and your life, holidays and beyond. So here's what I have for you. I want to show you one last thing. Because while this passage, you know, we can say, I've talked a lot about what it's not saying. It's not saying you shouldn't work. It's not saying you shouldn't plan. It's not saying you shouldn't hustle. not saying that at all. These words are basically the words of Jesus that we just read here. They're the words of Jesus gently, I must hit this way, gently shouting. I think these words to you. Just follow along. Hey, people on earth. Yes, that means you in New Jersey. Do your best. But remember, Jesus says, I care about you and all your endeavors. Plan, work hard, and be diligent. But in all of that, trust me, it may not turn out in the way you think is perfect, but I have a way of working things together in the long term that is even better than you could have planned, even during the holidays. So chill a little, my child. I really believe that's what Jesus is saying here. That's what it means also, I believe, to have a relationship with Christ, to be able to talk to him, pray, whatever you want to call it, and be able to say, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm going to do my best, and I sure hope it turns out this way. But I'm turning it over to you. And you may need to do that more than 21 times between now and Christmas. Because remember, it's, it's not just about us, and it's not just about my plans. It's also what God is doing in your life and in the lives of those close to you and around you. Let's pray together. God, these are... These are valuable truths and valuable words. And Lord, we, I just would, would pray, God, that we'd be able to comprehend the significance of the meaning of what that means, that, that, that we trust you. 
And we're entering into a time that, that, that we, we hope, Lord, will be one of the most festive times of our year and, and a great time with family and friends. And yet something happens and blows up and all of a sudden there are tears and there are heartache and there are hard feelings and it just makes it very difficult. Well, Lord, help us in that. Help us to do our best but to trust you. And help us to know that ultimately our lives and our destiny lie in a relationship with our creator, with you. And that Jesus came, that you came, Lord, and you lived and you suffered and you died and you went to the tomb and you rose again. And you did that to give us the ability not only to have eternal life, but to have a relationship with our creator. During good times and the times that are challenging and even during the times when our best laid plans blow up. We pray, God, that our focus would be not on what we wanted, but on what you are doing in our lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, we pray. Thanks.